Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Blockhash Podcast. We have another great episode for you today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow wherever you are tuning in. Hold tight for just a second as we play a quick advertisement and countdown video while we wait for everyone to join. Thank you and we hope that you enjoy the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Block Hash Podcast here, episode 325. Today, with um, Pulsar Security and a podcast ran by both Dwayne and Patrick, who also run Pulsar Security. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation on cybersecurity in general today and you know what everything they are working on. So Patrick, Dwayne, welcome to the show. Super happy to have you here. How are you guys doing today? Thanks, Brandon. We, we're doing great, except yeah, uh, Dwayne's just here. getting over the plague. Yeah. So if I, I if I have a coughing fit, I, sh- I promise I'll mute. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, to kick it off, let's do some introductions. Would love to know a bit more about each of you guys individually. Whoever wants to go first, uh, tell me a bit about your backgrounds, what you have done prior in the space, sure. kind of leading up to Pulsar, the podcast, et cetera. Uh, sure. So um, I started the company in '96. Uh, so long, long time ago. Um, and it is security consulting development, things like that. Um, I was a, um, West point graduate Gulf war veteran fought in the first Gulf war and, and got injured enough to get out of the service. Uh, but always had an interest in security and, um, and we were doing security before it was even cool as, as Dwayne and I mentioned to you before we started recording, we, we've been working together for over 23 years. Um, we started on development security and started working more and more in the audit, the pen testing side of things. So we're the kind of guys that, um, go in and see if we can crawl through the windows on a legal basis, uh, for major corporations and, um, and, and on nonprofits whenever we can help them out. Um, so that's, that's really what we're about. We run a podcast called security this week that, uh, Dwayne and I host with a friend of ours, Carl Franklin, where we talk about the security news in, um, of the week and kind of give people advice and see what's going on. So I'm the uh, CEO and founder and Dwayne's pretty much the head hacker. <laughs> I like uh, red team leader. Uh, makes me sound evil more... genius. I thought no, evil genius me... was on the business card. at one point. <laughs> Star, Star Warsy. Um, yeah. So my job, uh, yeah, so I'm Dwayne LaFlotte. My job is uh, CTO and, and head of our red team. Um, so my, my job is to think of the dark thoughts like the, okay, so I have an unlimited budget. I'm a nation state. How would I break into this particular company? Um, would I kidnap their kids? Would I break into their home network? Would I break into their cell phones? Like what are the really dark things you could do? And then back it off to what's legal or what the customer is comfortable with. Um, so that's, uh, what me and my team do do. I've been doing this for a long time. Like Patrick said, before people liked cybersecurity shoot in, uh, early 2000, we'd go to customers and say, Hey, we can secure your website. And they're like, yeah, can you just make the text blink though? Like, we don't really care <laughs> if it's secure, but if you could just sell more of our stuff. Yeah. Um, so, but the, the world's kind of come around 360 since then, uh, all the way back to, you know, now security is something they want to talk about, which is good. 
Yeah, that's awesome, guys. You sounds like you have quite a wealth of experience between the two of you. Um, how I think you just seen... called us old. But you're right. I think the line is getting younger every decade. So you guys are not as old as you were. Much younger now. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you guys definitely have that background and experience in this space. You know, how have you seen cybersecurity kind of start to evolve over um, the time that you've been working? I mean, I'm sure, obviously, because of the internet evolving, so many things and vectors have opened up. But is there anything that stands out that's maybe interesting or surprising about that? Well, I mean, it, it's it's evolved dramatically. It's become an arms race, but mm-hmm. but there's been developments on both sides, both for, for you know for the for the bad and for the good. Uh, the fact that you know we're talking about blockchain here, blockchain is a, a monumental security good if it's used correctly, if it's done in a way that helps you have transparency, have auditing, you know, know what happened. Uh, it, it's incredibly powerful. It's the reason that you know we we have cryptocurrencies and why we can trust that they have value. Um, on the other side, there's also implementation risk because people take something that's innately secure, like like blockchain, and they they mess up their implementation so that it gets watered down so that it's no longer secure. And so we see that not just in blockchain, but but over and over again in things. Um, when we first started. Things like SQL injection were common because that's how people were taught to do things. And now that we know better, we still see it all the time. It's amazing how often we still see this the same. I think it was probably a decade, a little over a decade and a half ago um, that OWASP, a security organization, came out with. Here are the top 10 things. Like if you're a developer in the world, here are the top 10 security things you need to worry about to make your customers, your applications the most secure ever. And and I think in the last 10, 15 years, the top 10 hasn't changed much. I think there's maybe one or two replacements that have showed yeah. up, but it's almost like a lot of the development world, for the most part, doesn't get the message. And that's only because something dropped to 11. <laughs> right, and, and exactly. The no way. Yeah. yeah, and it's crazy. The other thing you think about is like when we approach applications, and we see this, um, I don't know if you saw the 3CX hack that happened this week. So voice over IP phone uh, hack affecting 12 million users. Um, where you can gain access to every call and call history and voicemail, et cetera. And, and I'm sure when you sit in the, you know, the, the sprints and the development room and they say, okay, great, we're going to create this application. Nobody sits down and goes, okay, you know, how much time are we going to spend on security? It's all feature, 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 try and get the application out the door because time is money. And then afterwards they go, oh, well, how do we secure it? Uh, mm. and try and bolt it on afterwards and, and that never that. works yeah that mentality is still there and unfortunately you're right it just it just doesn't well, work take that point so l- let's go back to blockchain for a second so blockchain is a technology that was developed with security in mind with security first it's a security technology when you look at it i my experience is that only technologies that are developed with security in mind where the security is the focus have a chance of not finding zero days later on. They, they still might. They still might be some problem with the blockchain we hadn't thought of, but it's far more likely that a, a, an, a protocol, a communications protocol or a backup mechanism or something like that is going to have fraught security vulnerabilities than something that was designed with security in mind. And that's why it's so important. You can have, we can have nice things, but <laughs> if we don't think about security first, someone's going to take them away. Absolutely. Those are some good points being made. I didn't know about the VOIP thing. I always thought most of those 
applications or the apps that use like VOIP or the companies, you know, the security behind it was like really, really good and like super tight, but it's supposed to be, uh, it's supposed <laughs> to be right. I think that's, I think we right. all think everything is secure at wins yeah. using like encryption and everything, but someone eventually figures it out. Someone yes. eventually figures out how to get around a system um, or an encryption or some method. But, you know, with blockchain, it's very interesting because it's one of those few technologies if we at least look at the simple use cases like Bitcoin, that doesn't seem to have a very easy vulnerability to yeah. exploit, if any. Yeah. Um, and there are other blockchains that actually have had a lot of problems. Right. Uh, Solana being one of them. Cardano's had a couple. And those are implementation lately. problems. Yeah. They, yeah. It's not. There's no problem with the concept of blockchain as far that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And and here's the problem. In in 150 years. We might find out, well, this 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 big hole that we didn't know about. We call those a zero day until you know about them. But we might not. This, you know, sure. RSA, the security uh, encryption that we use nowadays, <clears throat> has been invulnerable for decades. And now the only thing we think that might challenge it is quantum computing, which is still in mm-hmm. the future. And so there's there's it's an arms race, though. If we always think about that, so we can't rest on our laurels and think, well, blockchain's Im- immutable and it's it's un- invulnerable. We have to keep looking for those vulnerabilities so there's a chance that good guys can find it before the bad guys find it. Yeah, everyone's always scared of quantum computing, and I've, <laughs> I've read into it so much. Um, one of them being, you know, two things. One being it's going to take a long time to build, like, a fully functional quantum computer. And, like, I guess we could debate whether or not that ex- exists in any kind of way today. Um, but at the same time, you know, from what I understand, like holding the same state for the electron or whatever, and it's like always changing or it's in like both states at the same time is like it's highly susceptible. It, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to maintain that state. So mm-hmm. if you could do a quantum chip or a quantum computer, it's not going to be able to process for very long. So right? I will caution you that I actually have been doing a quantum podcast for two years. So you, we, you're, we, I take, I give you this moment to take an <laughs> off ramp right now, or, or you can keep asking me about quantum. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the off ramp. You, you can, you can explain it if you want to, though. You're the expert. <laughs> also, I'll, I'll say this, and I'll try to be brief. So quantum computing is in its infancy, but it's getting towards the end of its infancy, and we're starting to actually see quantum being used for business solutions and things like that. We're still a ways away from it breaking RSA and for it, you know, becoming a threat to encryption, but we see when that could happen. And that's probably within the next decade, certainly within two decades, but it might even be this decade. No one knows, but the problem is if there's a revolutionary implementation, then that could change everything. For example, DARPA, um, which I, I, I could probably guess at the what the letters stand for, but I, I screwed up. Defense, um, basically, they're the guys that invented like drones, that, yeah. the internet, self-driving cars, Velcro, GPS. You name it. If it's cool, all, it was invented. By all them. the things that enable our, our military <laughs> to do amazing things. Um, they've approached Microsoft and some other companies because they feel they may disrupt it by by producing quantum computers faster than everyone expects. And so, we don't have the luxury of sitting back and waiting for it to happen. We have to be ready for it when it does happen. And we don't know when that's going to be. So I, you, you have the right perspective. It's not a problem for today, but it's going to be a problem eventually. And so what, what people have to do is blockchain is dependent on a lot of technologies, including encryption. And there's public, there's uh, shared key encryption where you and I know the key, but that means we have to have shared it at some point. So we have to be in the same room or we have to have secure communications ahead of time. It's chicken and egg. And then there's public private key with like, Diffie-Hellman, RSA, Mm -hmm. elliptical curve, those are the things that are vulnerable. 
And those are the things that need to be swapped out with less vulnerable versions like um, lattice encryption. And these are the things that people aren't talking about. They're thinking, well, blockchain is secure. Yes, but the implementation is the key. And if you're using weaker pieces to build it, it's not going to work. So sure. it's not going to stay secure. Right, right. How, how are you guys taking you know, these ideas and implementing them into what you guys do now with Pulsar Security. So I imagine this is, you know, a huge part of what you guys do too, you know, obviously preparing people today for, you know, what could come, but also down the line, all the potential, you know, vectors. I'm sure there's a lot of demand our, for our that. Job, right? Our job is mostly to just to take people and shake them and say, <laughs> wake up, wake up. Right. Uh, the house is on fire. No, uh, uh -huh. on, honestly, a lot of times we, we do, we go look at things and we give customers an idea of, just exactly how deep someone could go into their organization from the well, outside or and, from the inside. Yeah. And the other thing, I, I heard a great analogy. Um, I, I'm trying to remember who it was, but I heard a great analogy. One guy said, um, listen, I, you know, I came home one day and I have locks and cameras and that sort of stuff. <clears throat> and I came home one day and my door was open. And when I went inside, I got robbed. And, and you better bet afterwards I had better security and better locks and better cameras and that sort of stuff. And, and what we do is we get paid to be the robber. Like we get paid to come in and, and the customer comes home and the door's open and all their data's gone. And they go, oh my gosh, oh wait, we hired these guys. Okay, how'd you break in? And they have that aha moment where they're like, wow, if these guys really were, uh, you know, nefarious, evil uh, hackers on the internet, yeah, they would have just owned the entire site or the entire yeah bank or whatever it is that we're, we're breaking into. So, so. We, we sell wake up calls. <laughs> we do. We do. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I might so, put that in our marketing. Might, might be good. <laughs> might be good. That's a good way to simplify it too. Hey, we wake you up, we shake you down and we get you yep. to actually understand the, the and, real consequences. And sometimes, sometimes customers will come and say, Oh, I know we're in rough shape and they're actually in pretty good shape because they're thinking about it. The right. problem is a lot of people are, are coming kicking and screaming through the door because it's like, well, we're being made to do this because of our insurance or because compliance. And then they're devastated by what they see. And others are like, ah, really paranoid. And they've done the right things. They have password management. They do patching. They don't, you know, they, they revoke access. They minimize. They use least, res, uh, least um, privilege. They, they do all the right things. And so their reports are, are minimal. Um, and so there's really only those two categories, those that have overprepared, which is good. That's what you need to be doing nowadays. And those that are like, oh, I didn't think that leaving a test server on the Internet with no <laughs> firewall was a bad thing. Absolutely. Is, is it more what you guys do? And this might be a silly question, you know, focusing on preventative measures versus an actual existing problem they have, like in the moment, because I think most people, mm -hmm. they don't say, oh, I have a, a hack on my computer right now or something's happening in the moment, you know. Most of them yeah. need to prepare for the future. We're about prevention, not recovery. Right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we have in the past done uh, forensics after an attack, and it's 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 not our it's not what we typically do because um, we approach it we approach it as attackers. Like, how would we have broken in? Um, and then we start following the path as opposed to there's there's a lot of formal forensics tools and that sort of stuff. But you're absolutely right. We we break in and find the nine or ten different ways we could completely own the entire company and then put that in a report and say, here are our recommendations. Um, and a lot of people on the team have been in the field, you know, 20 years, 20 plus years doing cyber defense. Um, so it gives us that unique sort of, OK, I know it was really hard to protect. Let's attack that and then uh, make recommendations on how they fix it. We do it differently than most, though. And um, we're probably going to get a lot of hate from our competitors. But yeah. um, we prefer to have the customer online watching us so that they can see what uh, what a hacker is looking for, what they'll what? notice, 
Watch us break into their house and steal things. Exactly. As opposed to the way a lot of it works is they say, oh, well, give us access and then we'll let you know what we found. Mm -hmm. And there's just not as much learning. There's not as much impetus. And and sometimes Mm -hmm. you find things that are are smoking hot messes that have to be fixed immediately. And by having that um, that connection, um, it really helps a lot. And we have I think we still have 100 percent repeat business with those that we wanted to keep doing business with. So it uh, definitely satisfies the, the customer that we're looking out for their best interest rather than trying to just make a buck. Yeah. It's cool that you guys have the educational aspect of it too. Like, Hey, watch as I break into your house and steal all your things. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to surprise you. Like you're going to watch right. me do it. Uh, that's I good think, though. Cause they learn a lot. I think there's, um, the, the, uh, it's still the wild west in our industry because mm-hmm. anyone can say I'm a hacker and, sure. and they, they're, you know, what, how are you going to tell, you know, they, and there's also a lot of money to be made. There's a shortage. There's about half a million to three hundred uh, to mm. seven hundred thousand short cybersecurity engineers in this in the United States alone. It's like three million worldwide. Um, and so you can you can still make a lot of money by doing a, a a a poor job. And so we like to you know teach teach a man to fish kind of thing. You teach them to fish, and it doesn't hurt our business. They keep coming back because they, there's always still more to learn. It's not like we're giving away the keys to the kingdom. That's a good approach. I, I like the way that you guys go about it. I think there's a lot of security firms out there that want to just, you know, in and out. I, I think, yeah, just get yeah. kind of in and out with a client. Smash and grab. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a word for it in the industry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's called profits, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. What type yeah. of markets and uh, clients do you guys generally work with or help or, or serve in your guys' line of we work? Don't, we don't have verticals. Yeah. We've done. Oh, I was going to say, if you look at like the, just the sort of breadth of customers, we've done, you know, DOD, we've done military, we've done banks, uh, school districts, uh, private manufacturing, clubs, manufacturing. Yeah. So we're kind of all across the board. Utilities. Um, that's true. Yeah. I don't know that there's a company we haven't trying to think of a vertical we haven't hit. Well, if you go all the way back to 20 years, I don't think there is. I think we've, no, you and true. I, but but the company Every, in its latest incarnation. All the agencies, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably hit all of them. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of experience, and and we enjoy it. It's it's oh, yeah. it's kind of fun um, to to be in there and 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 teaching people. But we also want to get as many people to learn this stuff as possible. And one one thing Dwayne and I have talked about in the past is uh, people say, "Oh, I want to get into security," and that's kind of like saying, "I want to get into medicine." It's a really big field. There's a lot of different things. Uh, So we tend to like bring on interns and try to help people like find their niche. And then, you know, a lot of times it's not in our area. It's in maybe it's in, um, you know, defense, the the blue team side of things, or maybe Mm. it's in compliance and auditing or things that we don't normally do. But the hacking is kind of the, you know, the hoodie superstar. I guess Mr. Robot really helped us there, even though yeah, did, there's so many did. inaccuracies in those. Shows. I don't know. When I was in th- when I was in school, it wasn't the cool thing, but now it is apparently. No. Oh, very it's all the point. rage now. Everyone wants to be a hacker, even <laughs> whether they mean the actual word or not. Like right. I feel like most people use the term synonymously with like just liking computers and tech more yes. than they do oh, yeah. actually being a hacker. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How would you define that, though? How would you define what a hacker is, you know, today? Like, do you guys have, like, maybe a definition for that? Yeah, that's and that's a great point, because Patrick and I both grew up in the day of age of a hacker was someone who liked to tear apart technology and figure it out. 
Like, and if that meant you were breaking into a system, you were breaking into a system. And if that meant you were tearing apart your TV, you were tearing apart your TV. Like, you just want to know how it all worked and what the issues might be and how to fix anything. Um, and nowadays, you know, the term hacker more uh, readily gets focused on the offensive red team, you know, mentality, like somebody who's breaking into a system that they either A, have access to or like a customer site. Um, we're considered quote unquote white hat hackers um, or a site they don't have access to. And those are those are uh, the ones where you get nation states trying to attack. Um, and that's kind of where the term is focused now. But. Yeah. It's mostly about getting into something that you're not given access to, taking <laughs> access. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Um, what is a what, what's a common or maybe an uncommonly known type of attack vector that you guys see? today in 2023 like i know that it's constantly evolving and people are always mm -hmm. trying to find ways around systems to to get in and to steal information and data and do these things so let's talk about the three ways that ransomware typically gets into a system so the number one way is phishing somebody mm -hmm. sends you a message whether it's a text whether it's a phone call or it's an email email is the most common but you've gotten texts that are like hey your bill is ready there's no link and they want you to call a number they're going to try to social engineer you so basically it all that all comes down to social engineering, phishing, trying to trick somebody into clicking on something or giving them information. That's the number one way. And, and that's the hardest one to defend against because we got to educate our users. The next level is probably USB drives that people will take a USB drive and they'll move it from system to system. And it's like um, social diseases. It, it basically <laughs> whatever whatever's running on that computer is now running on your computer. And, and that's dangerous. And then the, the last it's the one that gets the most news when it happens, but it doesn't happen as much as the hackers literally hack into the system and plant the ransomware. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of hype on the last one. The first one's really probably the most important because that's the oh, yeah. hardest one to defend against. Um, but those are examples of, of the, the ways now ransomware is not the only thing that people do um, identity theft, um, yep. crypto mining. That's one that might be near and dear to the, the block cash. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, yeah. clientele uh, listeners um you know there's lots of things when somebody wants to get onto your system sometimes it's just for storage we've gone and grabbed a honeypot server which is a server we've set up to see what hackers are doing and found you know pirated video copies of shrek was it shrek um i don't understand you know, why but that was a like, decade that yeah was over, right like 15 years ago <laughs> um and so it's sometimes they're just trying to steal your storage but they're stealing your bandwidth your CPU, your storage, or your data. Now, personally, I'd rather they stole some storage that I wasn't using or some bandwidth that I wasn't using, uh, but they always take more. They never never stop at that, typically. So did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just so curious because it's always evolving, and it's like every time we have new type of technology come out, like blockchain, for example, there's always mm. someone that's finding a way to try and get around it and steal someone's yeah. money or their information or get on their computer. And I've had it happen to so many people I know, including yeah. myself, just doing the simplest things and not even knowing it happened. Right. Yeah. Um, have you guys done any work in the blockchain space as of yet around security or prevention? Uh, uh, <laughs> I've done advising and helping people understand. I, I got into crypto back in 2016, 2017 after doing a little bit of Bitcoin mining in the early days and not realizing I should have kept doing it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I paid a lot of attention to it. Uh, Dwayne, what's your, 
what, no, what and think? I was going to say the thing that the thing that scares me about blockchain um, and uh, really kind of freaks me out is the first thing I do when I break into a site is I start cleaning up my tracks. So all the logs, all the places I've been, all of the, like everything. Now, can you imagine if all of that was on a blockchain? Like all that data, everything that was touched on the system was like corroborated amongst the chain inside the organization that I couldn't touch was indelible. Like that would be devastating to what I do because we laterally move around environments from, from desktop to desktop. And I'm just waiting for like, <laughs> like one of those forensic style companies to go, you know what we should use? Let's use a blockchain to keep track of everything that's going on and then i'm going to be kind of in trouble but yeah you'll so, have to spin yeah. up your own nodes <laughs> i will i will <laughs> or compromise more of the nodes i guess and then start yeah. manipulating the data but yeah <clears throat> what, what was your uh, brief experience with with crypto mining i actually did it for a while i had a very large uh, ethereum mining farm in mm. the state of oregon in 2017 to 2019 for for two wow. years um, wow. I was one of those guys that went out and bought as many GPUs as I could get my hands on. <laughs> and so were the they were, <laughs> they were running out of uh, semiconductors coming out of Taiwan and they couldn't, uh, NVIDIA couldn't pump out anymore. So all the stores had yeah. to limit GPU sales yeah. to customers and gamers right. were pissed off because people like me were going in and buying like five or six <laughs> at a time. Good for you. <laughs> and so then we have about, no we currently have about 40 video cards running in a crack cluster but we use it to crack passwords. We don't use it for crypto. Yeah. So that so during that time we were we were trying to build bigger and bigger crack crack clusters. So like our cluster uh, right now can guess three billion passwords a second. So in our industry, that's fantastic. If I grab a hash, I can throw it inside this crack cluster. And if your password's anything that's guessable, I probably figure it out in a few minutes. Um, but there was a time we were trying to expand that cluster and I couldn't get video cards either because they yeah, everybody's crypto mining. Um I, I, oddly enough, there's an interesting um, inverse relationship to the price of crypto and whether um, company, whether uh, hackers do ransomware or whether hackers drop crypto mines. So you see ransomware go up when crypto mining goes down. So when the so we're safer crypto when crypto down. is higher. Right. <laughs> yeah. So when crypto is <laughs> actually high, there's less uh, ransomware going on because they want to take every system they can compromise and throw it into mining. As opposed to trying to, you know, encrypt them, it, it's an interesting That's relationship. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. How do we? Yeah. How do we hack that? How do we? <laughs> <laughs> if you want less ransomware, buy crypto. Yeah, crypto needs to go up. <laughs> oh, I think there's so much ransomware in crypto. It's actually a huge problem right now. Um, mm -hmm. More so last last a year and a half, I think, than than before. But it keeps yeah. increasing. Yeah, it's it's on oh, a yeah. path. Yep. Um, and it's not even like the blockchain protocol itself um, or the layer ones that are having these major issues for the most part. It's like the applications that they build on top mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, they, they just they don't put enough thought into, you know, those potential vectors. And then, you know, someone exploits it. And yep. every single day I hear about another wallet that gets hacked and then they have to put out another version or they have to pull the wallet and people lose millions of dollars. It's happened like five times in the last okay. two months. Oh, yeah. Uh, with some really popular ones too. On, on our podcast security this week, I have a I have a regular occurring sentence, which is convenience is the enemy of security. Mm -hmm. And so if, if things are convenient, you have to think about it like, well, that would be easy for, that would make it easy for a hacker to do it. And so the, when you look at your wallet, if your wallet is super convenient, you might want to think about getting one that's a little <laughs> less convenient. 
Yeah. Well, and take a look at the crypto AP, uh, ATMs. So oh, yeah. just recently, um, there was, I don't know, $1.5, $2 million worth of crypto stolen through an ATM. Um, you know, everybody's in a rush to make it as easy and as convenient as possible to use crypto in as many places. And for some reason, I don't get it, but this ATM allowed you to upload photos and videos to it. So somebody uploaded a video that wasn't a video, it was exploit code and exploited the ATM and then was able to pull out of everybody's wallet who had logged into that uh, ATM. So, But the people who lost the money were the customers, not, not the yeah. company. The company lost that reputation uh, and maybe market share, but they didn't lose their money because it wasn't their, their wallets. Yeah. So nope. that's a weird situation. Mm -hmm. We find that organizations that are having their users victimized are less quick, less quick to act than those that lose their own money. Right. Did it say why they had to upload a photo or video? Was it for like a KYC AML type of thing? Did you want to make it easy why. for hackers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you see that. It doesn't make People come sense. up with uh, wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? And nobody right. says, okay, yeah, but is that secure? They right. just go with the, wouldn't it be cool? And, and that's, <clears throat> that's where we get in problems. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about the podcast too. Um, I want to know like what kind of things you guys are talking about. Is it primarily security? Is it um, definitely more, security. is it more specific? Yeah. Uh, what kind of conversations do you have? Do you have guests? Like give me a full rundown. So it's about a 35 to 45 minute uh, weekly podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dwayne, myself and a, a developer friend of ours, Carl Franklin. And we started at square one. We started with no assumptions. We define all of our acronyms. Carl, Carl, make sure we do that. And we've talked about everything. And so that people can understand, but we use the news stories of the week as a lens. So we'll talk about like we did talk about these stories that Dwayne's brought up on mm. our podcast um, so that we can then educate people on what's phishing. What's, you know, why is a USB drive not secure? What's going on? What's ransomware and how's that trending? What are governments doing this to try to prevent that? So we, we pick about a half a dozen news stories a week and we talk about them and then we, we bring up points like that. So there's no guests right now, uh, about, about a half an hour and, and we're starting to get a pretty good listenership. But it's more about educating people so that they can make sense of the security world. It's all cybersecurity all the time. Dwayne, well, did I get that? Yeah, right? you did a great job. And, and one of the things we try and do, and I'm, I'm sure you try and do as well, is there's a lot of hype around cybersecurity and, and incidences and breaches and that sort of stuff, just like blockchain. There's a lot of hype around what it can do and can't do. And at one point it was blockchain's the answer to every problem. And then it was you know, blockchain's the answer to no problems. And and you get confused as like a person who's not in that industry. So what we, what we try and do is take those news stories and say, okay, which ones of these are hype? Which ones are just like, complete clickbait they're trying to get you to be all worried about something that that's so such a small percentage is going to happen <clears throat> that it's honestly something you shouldn't worry about and then which ones are kind of downplayed where we're like okay this is devastating like if you're if you're using this system right now anybody on the internet could own your you know your your company your house whatever you need to go and patch and change these settings and that's for stuff so that's that's another sort of focus is yeah. like how do we de-hype things and and that should be dehyped and hype up things that should be. Yeah. So, for example, if you saw an uh, an article that said uh, hackers can control your oven to burn your house down, and then yeah. you found out they had to be standing in front of the oven and work the knobs to do it, it's not really that <laughs> right. big of a like, eh, a lot of that. Kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could come up with some really catchy titles for oh, yeah. some of your episodes. Like I saw one of them. It was like my fridge is on TikTok or TikTok yes. on fridge or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> That's all Carl. Carl comes up with yes. all those. 
but it's true. Like that particular episode, we talked about how like they were talking about how these hackers could take these fridges and blah 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 and do it in IoT devices and do all these crazy things with it. And and the the example they used was was so far fetched. It was like, oh, you need these nine devices that have these specific issues configured this way in your house. You know, and then maybe they could do something. Yeah. And it's although, like, okay. Doesn't although matter. you've hacked into networks through TVs. Yeah, I have. Actually. So that's that's <laughs> not so. Yeah. Some it's some no, of it is real, agreed. and we need uh, to talk it about it. Yeah. Yeah. The no, URL is securitythisweek.com. Yeah. Securitythisweek.com. That's the website. Yep. yep. That's it. Are you guys on uh, Spotify, Apple, yep. Yep. Google yep. Podcasts? I believe yeah, we're pretty that. much everywhere. Uh, Amazon's uh, Audible, pretty much. I think. I think Kmart, we syndicate everywhere. Right Aid, yeah. <laughs> Target, right? You name TJ Maxx. We're All get, of it. We're, we're still going to get sued now. So yeah, we are. yeah, we are. It's okay. Um, is it primarily audio, or do you guys do video as well? Uh, we have. I have a face for audio. Uh, <laughs> it's all audio right now. We, uh, Carl, Carl's a, a real maven with um, podcasts. He's been doing it for over 20 years. And so he's pushing us towards uh, doing the video. But um, I got to get, I got to, got to get out of my basement and get into a real, my real recording area. And Dwayne has to not oh, hey, be sick. All hackers work in the basement. It's fine. That's true. <laughs> um, no, it's great that you guys focus on the educational aspect. Have you thought about in the future wanting to bring on some um, high-profile guests, maybe within your industry, mm -hmm. to like really highlight certain topics? We might. It's it's really the coordination. So I'm, I travel a lot. Dwayne travels mm -hmm. a lot, and Carl travels a lot, and in none of us are in the same place at the same time most of the time. So by not having guests, we've been able to keep a, a rhythm of almost every week for. Uh, we're in our second year now. Right. Um, the quantum podcast entangled things, uh, that I do is guest driven. And we do that every other week because it's so hard to make sure you get guests every week. There's more coordination involved. So I think if we want to keep it weekly, we're probably going to keep it, uh, just the three of us. But if we end up going to guests, maybe we'll do that periodically. Yeah. Uh, we're open to it. It just hasn't been something we've yeah. done. And the other thing I'd say, Brendan, and, and as you've probably noticed, if we bring a guest on, it'd be really hard for them to talk on the podcast because Patrick just dominates most of this, this space. So, <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> fatality. <laughs> Ceasefire targets down. Right, right. Uh, I yeah, figured that... you were in a weakened state, Dwayne. I had to take advantage. I know. Thanks. I appreciate that. You're such, <laughs> such a good guy. No, podcasting is uh, such a great medium. I, I, I love the be. Uh, can't even say it. The ability to you know have these kind of conversations with people especially mm -hmm. in my industry because i love blockchain i i think yeah. it's an amazing technology and it's notorious unfortunately and around crypto to have yeah. so much um garbage news and crap and yeah. pump and dumps and, and like no one gets to understand how cool the technology is so i I'm, i feel so blessed to be able to have a cool platform and medium where i can talk to uh, CEOs and founders mm -hmm. and influencers and, you, and you're hearing different perspectives every yeah. episode, I'm sure. And, and that gives you a more well-rounded, you become in the, you're the expert, you know, you know what these people think of it, what those people think of it. And, and you can actually translate it all. I think that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And I learn so much too, because mm -hmm. I get to talk to the person that's actually doing those things yeah, versus cool. going to Google news and trying to figure out why someone was hacked or why Dogecoin's up today or Elon's why you put a Doge logo you know, on twitter like i, I mean I'm gonna, it's funny but like there's so much more to it right i'm gonna right. confess something i bought a million doge in 2017 you did for nothing 
And then it was in Cryptopia when they got hacked. Oh, no. And so I don't have control of it. So I don't know when it comes out, whether I'm going to have yeah. anything hundred times nothing. what I invested or nothing. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. That's uh, all right. They're, they're recovering. I don't know if I've ever had that much Dogecoin, but I have had a few million Sheeb token. Sheep, wow. Yep. Yep. But I, I sold it right before it broke out. That, that was probably weird. the stupidest yeah. thing I ever did. But I thought it was a stupid buy. I yeah. Mean, I don't, never that's know. not it's something tough. you could have timed. I mean, yeah. I, I nope. counted on Doge being, uh, you know, somebody deciding it was funny and deciding to right. buy it up. So I bought it for like almost nothing. Uh, but uh, we'll see whether I ever get it back. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. This has been a really cool episode. Um, where can people go again to find the podcast? You gave the website. It is... So securitythisweek.com. And if you want to uh you want to learn about quantum, uh move at your own risk, it's entangledthings.com. Awesome. Cool. Patrick, Duane, thank you guys for the time. Really appreciate it. Really good episode. Had a really Thanks fun conversation. Us. Uh let's do it again sometime. Awesome. Excellent. Sounds good, Brendan. It was great talk. Thanks. Thanks.